This short is brought to you by Lens Protocol. You know, earlier in the conversation, you brought up uh, an interesting point of sometimes you question the drops. And I, I'm going to paraphrase. I don't know. I don't want to say word for what you said. So correct me if I, if I say something, but you, you can't, I'm paraphrasing here. So you, you said something like uh, you, you have sometimes confusion understanding why are we dropping certain things? Why are some collections doing really well? Except like, what is the value over here? And I'd love for you to kind of elaborate more on that because I think you're very right to feel like that. I think many of us tend to feel like that at times. Like, why is this collection selling out raising 70 mil and they disappear and they bring no value? They only take value. There's no value to come back into the community. And I'd love to hear your point of view and to elaborate on that more in the context of music. And what does that mean for starting a successful music NFT uh, Web3 kind of brand? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's a, it's a challenging question. It's It's not... So it's something I still struggle with because for me, like from coming from Trap Nation, like I was so used to, again, like a $0 transaction. Artists wouldn't pay us. We wouldn't get paid from the artists. We would make only money from Google ad re- revenue, uh, paying us on ads being placed on uh, the YouTube videos and the c- customer or the consumer or the community would never pay us either. So it was always like nobody ever had expectations because there was no financials attached to it. And now that we are moving into a curation-based model with financials to it, we have to prioritize much more in what we're able to deliver to the community, not just as a product, but also as a brand. Like, you know, we have to do live events. We have to release the best merchandise. We have to make sure everything we do is near perfect because if you let down even a tiny bit, the community looks at that as a failure in most regards. Um, and it, it's just not a, it just, it's not great for us. And I'm very perfect about everything I want to do, and which is also a pro and con. Um, but I think for NFTs, like when I first got into it, again, this is, most people still have this, I think, idea. It's like, why, why, why do, you know, projects have to sell mints for, you know, two or three ETH? You know, why is a project, what does a company like Pixelmon need like a $7 million fundraising round from the community or from their customers to build this product? You know, that's not how building businesses work. So for that's us, the exact it's example like, I was thinking about too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it just blew my mind. Like, honestly, like you don't need that much money to kickstart a business. I think if you truly know what your business, your core product is and what you need to do to scale, you can do it with a few thousand dollars, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars. It really depends like how you can sell the vision to other people. For us, luckily, Brian and our team was able to fundraise or basically raise enough funds by himself through his own you know personal life and his trade he does a lot of like efi trades and nft trades and he used all that money to kind of kickstart the company um and it was not nearly you know even close to like a million dollars i think it was like a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars it yeah. cost us to like get it off the ground um but for us like it for music nfts it's interesting because we're in a weird world right now a summit where we're hitting nft like DJing collectors but we're also hitting like art collectors and also music nft collectors typically like i would say the music nft community is not like dgen nft collectors but it, and it's also not fine art collectors either it's like this small little micro community very very tiny um and for that community i think people are very interested in buying music NFTs to support the creators where for us we want to support the creators obviously and we do but we want to make sure the product that people are buying the reason they're buying it isn't just to support the creators they're buying it because it's really fucking dope it's actually a unique piece of music that they can own from one of their favorite artists if they choose to buy from their, one of their favorite artists on our platform. And they also get access to the ecosystem of Soundman, which is like live events, uh, merchandise, brand partnerships, collaborations, and the list goes on. Um, so you're kind of getting this like 
we're trying to make it the best of three worlds and not sacrifice anything in, in that exchange, which is why it takes so long for us to do our collections. We spend so much time you know, building them. So can you walk me more through the process of building a collection? What does that look like? Yeah. So from like start, it's basically from start to finish, I'll simplify it as much as possible um, without sacrificing details. Uh, we curate uh, and pair talented visual artists with talented musicians. Um, let's just say we take uh, X musician and pair them with Y visual artist. They have to make um, like generative visuals. You have to make hundreds of different layers and make sure they can get layered on top of each other with the algorithm that's combining them. It's that same system, but with music as well. So the musician has to go into a studio and instead of making stems for a song or an album or an EP per se, uh, they have to make stems in the same key and BPM. And instead of making, you know, 10 or 20, they're making hundreds mostly. Um, and they make them in categories. So for instance, like if you, if you were to do a drop with Sama and you're a uh, EDM producer and you want to do a drop with us, uh, you would make like 25 vocal um, stems, 25 um, stems of a riser, 25 stems of baseline, uh, chords, um, drums, you know, whatever it is. And then you combine those categories with visual traits. So say you want to combine, you want to make the vocal category of 25 stems uh, paired with uh, the color of a square or something like that, or the texture of a square. And then you would go to like the baseline and you'd pair the baseline category with uh, the background uh, color or something like that. You know, the list goes on. You could do really whatever you want. It's, I'm just trying to simplify as much as possible so it's more digestible. Yeah. Um, and then you would feed all that all those files to a server or to um, a computer, and then you'd give it metadata basically to tell it what to do. Um, so that's where you tell the you know the algorithm basically to combine uh, you know visual trait one with uh, music stem category three or something like that. Um, and then you can depict the rarity, and then you have all these unique generated generated audiovisual collectibles that normally without the music, most projects are already doing that. That's how board apes are generated, cool cats, et cetera, et cetera. But when you combine it with music and you also make it reactive on the audiovisual sense, it's really fucking interesting because you can, as a collector, you can own a one out of 2,500 collectible from, let's say your favorite artist is Kei Trinata. Mm -hmm. You can own a Kei Trinata music art collectible that has never been heard before. Nobody else has anything like it. It may yeah. sound similar to other people in the collection, but nobody's, nobody's truly is what you have. Yeah. And it can have rarity attached to it. So say maybe Katrina and I wanted to have like three vocals in there that are super, super rare and you get one, like then you could also have a rare uh, visual trait attached to it as well. I've developed a new love for uh, collecting these auto-generative pieces. Um, I got to be fully honest. I haven't collected one on Soundmint yet. I've been collecting, uh, I collected a few on Beat Foundry. Um, yeah. only because I, I came across Soundmint after Beat Foundry, and I, I'm really looking forward to the upcoming drop. I'm, I'm really stoked for that, which we can talk about as well. But I got to tell you, I wrote this in my recap blog post of season four that I published on Mirror. Uh, I dedicated a specific section to auto-generative music. I think I'm, I'm so incredibly bullish on that medium and on that concept. And it takes a certain ear, while maybe the tracks don't sound as like pleasing as, let's say, a top 40 or a top 10 on Billboard. There's a new level of appreciation that I've kind of developed to that because it's a mix of code, it's a mix of art, it's a mix of music, it's a mix of creativity. It has all these different like potions mixed and combined just to create a single track. And okay. it, fa it genuinely fascinates me. It genuinely fascinates me. And 
it's really it's it's like doing injustice to describe it in a verbal way. You really just have to listen to what these compositions uh, sound like, what they feel like, and kind of go from there. And I'll link a few in the show notes. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening. If you've gotten this far, then you are a champ, and I owe you a free listener pin. Go to adamlevy.io forward slash NFT, fill in your info, and I'll distribute the NFT towards the end of the season. By collecting your pin, you prove your contribution to the season and get exclusive access to content, allow lists, and more. So be sure to collect yours. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. This helps me out so much. And finally, hit me up on Twitter at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you simply want to chat. I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy, and it's no different if it's coming from you directly. So thanks again for your support. It means the world, and I'll see you on the next episode.